vibe today. <laughs> Weird. Very strange vibe. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, I thought I'd start with a weird, uh, this is going to be a weird day for sure, because we're finally both back. We're, we're, well, we're not in the same room, but we're, you know, recording at the same time for once. We're both here. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're actually looking at each other this time. Yeah, uh, exactly. With each other's express permission. <laughs> um, I don't like how you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, Make me have to be some kind of creep. How, what made you even pick that song? Uh, you know, I don't really know. It's a fun song, and I figured it'd be a fun way to start the podcast on a fun note. You know, I'm a fun guy. <laughs> I'm a fun guy. <laughs> I think about you when I touch myself. I always, uh, that song always reminds me of uh, Austin Powers. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. It makes me think of masturbation. <laughs> well, obviously, yeah. Of course, it's going to be that. <laughs> That's a weird song. Who did that song? The Divinals. Oh. Yeah, they're definitely a one-hit wonder. I can't name a single other Divinals song. That's just such a fucking weird... Who greenlit... Who wrote that song, first <laughs> off? Uh, apparently, The Divinals. Oh, yeah, I guess I, they could, Yeah, I don't <laughs> see them having a ghostwriter, truthfully. Yeah, no, no that's I just, don't know. I just... I've... It's one of those songs that you don't think about ever, and then you, and then it just pops in your head one day, like, oh yeah, somebody wrote a song that was basically like, I think about you while I jerk off. Yeah, exactly, which is wild. <laughs> and I don't think they did write it. I'm, I'm pretty confident that was a dude. That's a dude song. All I can, the way. I can see that happening. Yeah, and I think they just got away with it because a woman was singing, so they're like, oh, it'll be you know fun and sexy. If a guy sang that song, they would be canceled. Even back in like you know the '80s or whatever when this came out, <laughs> you're very. Like, I, I think you're totally right because like there's a girl singing it and just all the guys are like, "Oh, it's gonna hard. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's fucking cool. Right. Which is talking about touching ourselves. Freaking double standards, man. White men yeah, have had no, it really... too hard for too long in this country. <laughs> <laughs> just, it's just. It it took over fifty episodes and it turns into a men's right, right. podcast. Uh, sorry, I'm a little uh, wired. Uh, we, me and Eric are watching Letterkenny and we just watched the uh, Hard Right J episode uh, with Jay Bruchel as the super right wing guy. Uh. I don't. I don't remember. I don't think I finished Letterkenny. Really. That's so strange, man, because I I know you kind of got me into it. I think the problem that happened with me is that I went in so hard so quick that I got to like that sixth season or whatever it was. And I was just tired of like keeping up with that show. And like, I mean, it's great. Like, I don't have any complaints about the show. I think my only complaint would be that. It is kind of exhausting to watch after a while because it is just so yeah. like joke, joke, joke. That's, that's exactly what um, I'd say. That's a good point. And also the the fact that they throw in so many like Canadian references that I don't understand half the time. It's very hard to keep up with the jokes. So a, a, if you're going to binge it all at once, it's very exhausting. So I get you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it, w- it was just a lot. And, like, and you learn. So by like the third or fourth season, you're kind of keeping up better. But... Yeah, I just I just went in too hard, too deep, and my girlfriend didn't really like it. Uh, yeah. So, so I kind of just had to take a break, and I just never went back. So, um, like I literally wa- had to watch that almost entire show in like a week. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I went hard, dude. I went hard. All right. Yeah. Anyways, we're doing a podcast. Uh, Mitch. I kind of feel like we should just go ahead and get what you're drinking out of the way and then and then get into some spitballing. Okay, that sounds great. Okay, so Mitch, I'm going to go first because I kind of have a time limit on mine. Uh, okay, <laughs> please go. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's it's really weird. So I am, drink, I am drinking, kind of, um, a vodka martini skinny freezer. It's a fucking popsicle. Oh, that's awesome. Good choice. Now I see why With all the, the fucking pageantry. All the pomp and circumstance. <laughs> right. Um, I'm, it is, I believe, Vodka Martini Skinny Freezer is the brand. 
This is a Cosmo, so I'm basically just going to ingest the Cosmo popsicle. Um, and it, it has 8% alcohol. Ooh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> so oh, I'm super um, jealous. I can't open it. Need <laughs> <laughs> <Just eat> some scissors. <laughs> they've they've fucking got me already. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> oh oh oh, it's messy. <laughs> um, shit. You're supposed to. I cut it vertically. Ah, uh, yeah. And it's you're no supposed good. to do uh, cut do popsicles horizontally. So I'm just gonna kind of go in here. Oh, All right. How long has it been Holy since you've fuck. had a popsicle? You forgot how to open them. <laughs> oh god, it's so cold. <laughs> it tastes pretty good though. Oh man. Oh fuck. I don't know how I feel about it right now. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm like eating a wrapper. This is a bummer of an experience. I'm just going to be honest it's with you. It's kind of a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, it sucks. I'm sticky. <laughs> I've gotten juice everywhere. My hands are freezing. <laughs> Sounds like um, my Friday night. This is so goddamn tart. I'm I'm getting thirstier. I mean, I'm in love with the idea, and it doesn't taste bad, but it, what it does is it tastes like all those drinks that have like a nondescript alcohol in them. Yeah, right. And you just get that weird kind of flat alcohol taste, which I think these could be good. Like, I think they'd be a lot better if you, like, made them yourself. Yeah, I can see that. And then put in the alcohol that you wanted to. Yeah. Um, I'm just amazed that they are able to get those to, like, freeze, because aren't they supposed to have such a high alcohol content, and alcohol is not supposed to be able to freeze, that's what I don't that's what I don't understand about it. Like <laughs> but here's the thing, it they take days to freeze. Oh, uh, okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well that's awesome. Oh. <laughs> you 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 don't act like you're enjoying it all that much. It's just so cold. <laughs> it's hard. It's it, yeah. it's kind of a hard experience. But I think like I don't know. I see something here, I just don't know. If these are maybe the best. Yeah, okay. I'd maybe let it, it you know. melt for a little bit, see if you can warm it up, drink some of the juices out, see if that enhances it. It's already melting. <laughs> exactly. A little bit. It's already melting a little bit, so I think I'm just going to be able to, like, <laughs> just freaking drink this sucker. Okay. Well, Mitch, did you, did you, what, what are you drinking? Yeah, so I have, I, I have an exciting day planned. Um, so first off, I picked up a beer um, called Natural Liberty. It's an American pale lager from Black Acre Brewing Company. It's an aggressively citra hopped with plenty of bold citrus hop notes and a light Pilsner malt body. So I think Black Acre Brewing Company is in like Indianapolis or something. It's kind of a smaller brewery. And it is good. It's good. It's it's pretty lemony. <laughs> and it is I, good. Good. Big okay. shocker there. I, I had a sip while you were dealing with your drama over there, so I kind of already knew what it tasted like. <laughs> oh, okay. But uh, yeah, I do taste some lemon, kind of like yeah, citrusy. Um, it's pretty smooth though. I like it. Um, let's get into what I'm most excited about though. Uh, I when I was at the liquor store yesterday. I also picked up, all right, you know I'm a PBR fan. Anything PBR makes, I will try to get my hands on. True. PBR, we might have talked about it on the podcast, Paps Blue Ribbon Beer made a whiskey. <laughs> and Why it's the fuck clear. is it clear? Exactly. So here's why. <laughs> so I found out that pretty much in, in order to make a whiskey, 
All you have to do is throw the ingredients for whiskey, take all the ingredients for whiskey, throw it in a barrel, a whiskey barrel, uh, for an undecided for an undecided amount of time, and then it's officially whiskey. So what PBR did, uh, and it actually says it right on the bottle. It says it's a malt or it's a mash bill with 52 percent corn, twenty seven percent malted barley, seventeen percent wheat, and four percent rye, which I guess is all you need to make whiskey. And it also says it was aged five seconds. <laughs> it says that on the label. <laughs> What? Uh, yeah. So the the most whiskeys are brown because that's just the they they go in the vat being clear like this, but they sit in that barrel for years and years, um, and that after because of the barrel, it takes on that brownish color. Uh, but since this was only aged five seconds, it's still clear. Um, and I feel like PBR was basically like, let's make a whiskey, but we don't have time to sit around and put all this, you know, just have all this money go to waste. So let's age it in a barrel for five seconds, sell it, and make our money back immediately. <laughs> so that's what they did. That's um, hilarious. So yeah, I'm I kind of. Ta- oh, here we go. Yeah. I'm going to take a little bit of a shot of it. Um, oh, boy. Oh, God. <sighs> It is so bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah, it, it didn't look like you enjoyed it at all. This might be the the first thing that you um haven't liked. I think you might be right. You might be right. Um, well, obviously, the, the reason I, I I think the reason I like whiskey so much is because the longer it sits in that barrel, it takes on those flavors from the wood, um, and this doesn't have any of that. All I can, if I were to compare it to something, it tastes like Everclear, but not as like strong. Um, huh. <laughs> it's very like corn. You, the corn flavor is very present, and I don't think that should be happening. Um, just yeah. grain alcohol. Yeah, that doesn't seem like it would have a. I I do. I have this really funny image. It's just like they go into the office one day and it's like, John, hey Johnson, did you did you ever <clears throat> you made that whiskey right? And he's just like, well, I didn't make the whiskey. <laughs> All right, what do you mean you didn't? It go. We're shipping it tomorrow. <laughs> And they're just like, oh, shit. Oh, damn it. (laughs) We'll age it for five seconds. Everybody's doing years. We'll do seconds. It's innovative. (laughs) Exactly. People will love it. Uh, (laughs) Next year, they come out with a whiskey, age no seconds, and it's just a bag of ingredients. (laughs) Right. You just have to ingest. Uh, Yeah, only PBR could get away with doing that. Oh, Oh, my God. That's funny. Do you want to get into our uh, lightning round? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I do want to update everybody. I ate that entire popsicle very quickly because as an adult, there is no reason I should be holding a popsicle. (laughs) Um, so I just downed it and it was melting and getting shit everywhere. Um, (laughs) On last week's podcast, you mentioned that you were recording with your window open so your neighbors could walk by and see. That's not something you want them to walk by your window and see. Just an adult man uh, with a head talking into a microphone eating a popsicle. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was like deep throating this popsicle. That's some OnlyFans shit. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. (laughs) Seriously. Um, Yeah. All right, Mitch. Let's do let's do the lightning round. All right. Lightning round. Question number one. It's <laughs> a weird one. What is the weirdest smell you've ever smelled? Oh, that is a that's a good question, though. Um, do you have one? Because <laughs> I'm at a loss right yeah, now. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll give you some time to think about it. So the weirdest smell I've ever smelled is a whiskey called Lafrog whiskey. L a p h r. Ao, you know what? Fuck it, I don't know. Uh, but it's <laughs> who cares? <laughs> who cares? Um, so I, I had this whiskey. My my friend's a bartender, and they, it's a very expensive whiskey that's like super high end. People, whiskey fans, are obsessed with it. Um, and they they had these. Uh, the, they started carrying it, and they were selling it for like fifteen dollars a shot. Uh, it is shit. that expensive. Um, so my friend, who luckily like worked. 
at a bar, like just gave me like a quarter shot, just like, hey, here, try this whiskey. Like I'm not going to charge you for it. It's like a quarter of a shot, but here, what? Do, tell me what you think. And I, before I sipped it, I smelled it, and it smelled like this is going to be really hard to explain. Um, it smelled like the Holocaust. <laughs> If you could imagine what the Holocaust smelled like, wet, uh, smoky, fire, mildewy. Um, it, it smelled like a abandoned house that had burnt down, <laughs> and it and, and it's a very wow. smoky whiskey, and it tasted about the same. So. <laughs> Wow. Ooh. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> that is not a tagline they probably want to have. Exactly. Like, it smells like the Holocaust. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, he told me that before he gave it to me. And I was like, what, it, what is that supposed to mean? What do you mean by that? And then I smelled it and I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. It does. <laughs> I've you... ne- yeah. I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. I, d- I don't know if I really have a good answer because, like, I think. All any all the smells I could think of are just bad smells. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, I think one of the worst smells I've experienced, and and it would be essentially one of the weirdest ones that I experienced, just because I've never I've never smelled anything that bad. Was uh, when I used to work for Rite Aid, mm-hmm. uh, the store that I worked at. You know, obviously we had a dumpster, so we would go dump things out in the dumpster as one does. Yeah. Well, the th- I, I had a disagreement with my boss. He felt that we shouldn't waste time dumping milk, like expired milk, out before we threw it in the dumpster. Ooh. I strongly disagreed. Yeah, I disagree with that hardcore. Um, and we would throw it in there and not only would homeless crackheads come around and take expired milk out of the dumpster, um, but it would, you would, you know, even if you like put them in there normally, when you start throwing shit on top of them, they burst. Yeah. They're going to break and it's, dude, there was milk. Like I'm actually gagging thinking about it. There was, I'm going to try and get through it. There was (laughs) chunky milk coating the bottom of the dumpster and you would open that to throw trash away and it was just the worst smell and it wasn't oh man i'm like actually gagging because it's coming back to me you're having a hard time telling this story yeah this because and that but the thing was i had to go smell that every day and you would think you would get used to it but you don't i can't imagine yeah which and leads dude, me it, to my next question. Why do people eat cottage cheese? Because that's essentially the same thing. Um, <laughs> Just spoiled milk on the bottom of a dumpster and people eat it with their breakfast. Well, there's I look, here's the thing, though, about cottage cheese, because I love cottage cheese. Oh, my God. I hate cottage cheese. And I could all I probably couldn't tell you the story. And eat cottage cheese. Um <laughs> I, I well, there's a difference. Like if I opened a thing of cottage cheese and it smelled like that dumpster, obviously I wouldn't eat it. But right. it doesn't. So there's clearly a difference. What that difference is, I don't understand. Um, dairy is very strange. Um, later in life, I'm actually starting to be one of those people. Like I don't know if we should eat dairy. Yeah. Because holy fuck, it is weird. Right. Um, and I don't understand it. Um. But I, I I can see that um, that point of view. But yeah, I don't. I guess I don't know enough about cottage cheese. I just know that I like cottage cheese. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way with you. Like with dairy, like I I do eat cheese because I I do like cheese. But mm-hmm. just like I I and I was like you know raised in a part of the Midwest where people had a glass of milk like with every dinner growing up, and that Me was too. just like totally normal. And now growing up, it's like. I don't think that was a good thing. Like, you know, in the 90s, it was touted as like, oh, yeah, it's good for you. It's got calcium. It'll build your bones. And now looking back, it's like, I think it has more, you know, negative like ingredients than it does positive. And just the idea of like drinking a full on glass of milk that has, you know, think about where it comes from and everything just totally grosses me out. So I've not done that in a while. (laughs) Well, I, um, I actually speaking. I was talking to my my old boss at Rite Aid one day, and I don't know what we were talking about. That we were, I I don't know, probably arguing over this milk situation. But uh, I was like, yeah, you know, milk. I was like, yeah, you ever just like 
wake up in the middle of the night or like just randomly like in the middle of the day you're just like if i don't drink a glass of milk i'm gonna die (laughs) and you get a nice ice cold glass of milk and just knock that thing back and it's just the most refreshing thing in the world and he was just like no (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then i realized that uh yeah i think i had been indoctrinated into the milk thing because i will i still do from time to time i will get a if we're eating like a meat like a stew you know yeah just a big nice (laughs) glass of milk knock that sucker back (laughs) yeah i I couldn't do it anymore man i the last time i did i was probably in high school (laughs) yeah but but now but now I, but what I've realized also is that dairy like fucks with my stomach pretty yeah. hard. So like <laughs> I need to back off dairy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, question two. Um, what is your favorite Adam Sandler movie? Actually, I think funny people. Yeah. Okay. That's an interesting people, choice. Yeah. People really didn't like that movie. I don't really remember why. Um, I was a fan of it because it made me feel like I got to see part of maybe what... Because obviously it's not like Adam Sandler being like, this is my life. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like you got to see like maybe the shittier parts of fame. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of like why people kind of lose their shit sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I still think that, you know, you're a bunch of crybabies personally, cause you have all the money you could ever need and you don't have to buy a giant mansion and you don't have to, you know, do all the things that people do when they're famous. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I, and, but I also think it talked a lot about comedy. Like it, it kind of showed how it was like really hard to get into comedy when you do get into comedy, kind of like, the difficultness there like i mean it's pretty competitive and cutthroat and you know people get screwed over all the time even if they're funny like just because you're funny doesn't really mean that you're gonna you know have that that you're gonna do any better than anybody else yeah um Um, yeah no that that is a pretty good movie and it shows like the serious side of adam sandler which i always enjoy too um like obviously Mm -hmm. i'm 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 a fan of his earlier stuff like billy madison happy gilmore they're staples of my childhood um but i also like the stuff where he branches out into more serious roles and kind of like shows that side because he does a really great job of it too um like we've talked about that like 9-11 movie before he did like rain over me Um, yeah yeah that one was awesome i just thought that yeah great yeah. movie yeah great movie um also funny people has one of the best scenes uh in probably history because he got he did a scene with uh, eminem and ray romano uh and all in the same scene it's like what is this <laughs> yeah and eminem cusses out ray romano yeah, yeah <laughs> which, exactly <laughs> which i i don't eat, i think really kudos to ray romano in that yeah. like ray romano has to sit there and get cussed out by eminem um, and, and she, I forgot about that scene. That is a like, he's like, sorry, M like, sorry, Marshall. Like it's, I totally forgot. That is, that is a, an amazing yeah. scene. Yeah. So I, overall, yeah, that is a really good movie. So, um, yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say either that or um, I really. Uh, so part of like his seri- more serious side of things, like you know, obviously like Punch Drunk Love is a really good one. Um, I enjoyed Click um, when it first came out because it was like a good combination of being like pretty funny, uh, but also like really fucking sad. Like towards the end of it, I might have cried. Um, oh, I cried. <laughs> yeah. I've cried twice watching that movie. Wow. So I cried the first time from the shock, and there was a second time where I did cry again, even knowing what happens, because it's just acted really well at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he does a really good job. Uh, Okay, cool. Question number three. Um, What is your favorite fast food joint to go to for breakfast? (sighs) I just think it still has to be McDonald's. Yeah. Because ta- now Taco Bell, I would go to more, but I'm actually a little bit confused. I don't think Taco Bell really does breakfast anymore. Oh, really? It's only like I don't know, maybe like certain ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do have good breakfast food. They they really like, do. Yeah, like Taco Bell, like specifically has the little Cinnabon delights. Mm-hmm. 
Oh my god, <laughs> so good. Those and are so people shit good. on the Taco Bell breakfast for when it first came out because like, oh my god, Taco Bell, like it's a meme at this point. Like they're, you know, it's easy to make fun yeah. of. Like, oh, why would they start serving breakfast? That's, but for me, it's like when I go to eat breakfast, specifically like at a fast food place, my favorite thing to eat is like a breakfast burrito and yeah, like that's a place that already does Mickey burritos. E's. Like, yeah, just, yeah, they, they have that like crunch wrap where instead of like the typical crunch wrap, crunch wrap ingredients, I'll put in like eggs and bacon and cheese. Like, yeah. what, what is bad about that? That's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Like that's <laughs> one of my favorite things about like Mexican food. Not that Taco Bell is Mexican food, but you know what I mean? Uh, of that style of preparing food is just cramming breakfast shit into it. Yeah, exactly. Like you want a chalupa? <laughs> You want eggs in it? Like, yeah, fuck yeah, I want eggs in that chalupa. Of course. <laughs> of course. Exactly. Hot sauce, and then you put hot sauce on it, you got a spicy day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of the poops, but <laughs> a good way to start your day. No, For but sure. Mickey D's does have the McGriddle. McGriddle is top notch. Yeah. It's the greatest thing ever made. Yeah. One of the worst things for you ever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'd f- I'd fuck a McGriddle if if I had to. Oh yeah, yeah. If I had, had the opportunity. Option. Yeah, if I had the the opportunity, I, I guess I might. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I I love the McGriddle. Yeah, wholeheartedly. That's a, a solid answer, man. Yeah. There may or may not be a drunken video at 3 a.m. of me drunk in the McDonald's drive-through. <laughs> Yelling at the people to hurry up in front of us so I can get a fucking McGriddle. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I really want to see that video. Well, like, I, I remember Charlotte may have it. I don't know. I just remember us being there, and, and I was, like, just drunk. And I was. she was like, well, what do you want? And I was like, I want McGriddle. And she's like, <laughs> she thought I was making it up. She's like, That's not a thing. What do you want? I'm like, No, I want a fucking McGriddle. She's like, What's well, a McGriddle? And I was like, Yeah, I'm a, oh a McGriddle. My God. You fucking commie. Like, just, I was quite drunk. Quite uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, who hasn't heard of the McGriddle? I, now, in all, in all fairness, I was quite shocked that she had not known or digested a McGriddle. But it is, and it also is a really awesome thing at 3 a.m. drunk. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, I yeah. want to do that so bad. <laughs> so bad. You know what? I I I have we have bits. I think that we could do. I think we just need to get into the the meat yeah, and potatoes here because I want to do it justice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's uh, let's get into it. So um, we are gonna today. We are gonna talk about uh, DB Cooper. Uh, if you haven't heard of DB Cooper, you're about to. Um, it's one of my favorite crime stories ever, um, and the the fact that we'll we'll get into it, but it's still like unsolved 50 years later, um, is just phenomenal. Um, I'm a real big f- fan of like conspiracy theories and crime stories kind of like this. Um, So, obviously, I've been obsessed with D.B. Cooper for a while, and I think Eli mentioned that he has figured it out. So, you're going to hear it first on this podcast. They've been they've been talking about this, trying to figure out this this mystery for 50 years, and finally, on the Two Friends, Three Questions, we will reveal (laughs) what the CIA couldn't. Don't don't patronize me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get um, into it. <laughs> um, I do. I so I want to do one thing before we get into this. Do you have a theory as to what happened? Like, do you have an opinion on this whole thing? I think I, I do have an opinion. Yeah. Okay. What I kind of want to do is each of us write down our theories on a piece of paper, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to we're going to we're going to give you the whole story so everybody kind of knows what happens. And then we're going to talk about kind of like what we think could have happened and just also about it. But I want us to write it down because at the very end, I want us to show each other what we both think happened at the same time. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. I like it. I'm writing mine down now. Okay. All right. So it is written down. I will fold this up and, and put this off to the side now um mitch you're a little bit better at doing this so do you want to go through what happened with db cooper do you do you want to give the rundown sure yeah i'll give the rundown so basically what happened is um november 24th 1971 the day before thanksgiving there was a man uh 
named, but well, he went by the name of Dan Cooper. That is most likely not his real name. He was using an alias. Uh, he went into the Portland airport and he bought a ticket uh, to fly from Portland to Seattle, Washington, uh, a 30 minute flight. Um, and the uh, couple cool things about that is so the ticket was $20 uh, back in 1970 money. Um, and he walked in and ordered it. Yeah, bought his ticket, sat down on the plane. Uh, he ordered a bourbon and Coke and lit a cigarette, which is amazing. Uh, back, in the, <laughs> back in the 70s, you could do that. Um, so right before the plane took off, he took a he took a note that he had written. He handed it to the stewardess, uh, and the note said, "I have a bomb in my be- I, I have a bomb in my briefcase, and I want you to sit by me." Um, so apparently, the stewardess took the note, put it in her pocket, and walked away, <laughs> which I think is super funny uh, because he was like, "Excuse me, miss, you might want to read that note." Um, just. <laughs> Funny, funny footnote. Um, so basically, so the uh, stewardess uh, read the note. Um, she went down to sit w- with him, and uh, he said, "Okay, I want you to write these things down and take it up to the pilot. I have a bomb in my br- briefcase, and I n- I'm going to blow up the plane. Basically, uh, I demand two hundred thousand dollars in twenties, um, two back parachutes, and two front parachutes. Um, and when we land in Seattle, I want a fuel truck ready to be to fuel the plane. Um, and that's pretty much it. So the stewardess takes up to the pilot. They get everything. They radio in or whatever. They land in Seattle. Um, everybody on the plane gets off uh except he basically keeps the uh the pilots and like the flight attendants on board um and he basically once the plane fills refuels he tells them to fly to Mexico City um and so so he gets the money $200,000 um and then somewhere between Seattle and Reno Nevada he jumped out of the plane never to be seen again with $200,000 um and adjusted for inflation Two hundred thousand dollars in twenty twenty money is one point two million dollars. So, yes, that's I also, pretty pretty big heist. Yeah, I also looked into that because yeah. I was, I I knew initially when I when I started doing research, I was like, two hundred thousand dollars doesn't seem like a lot of money, <laughs> right? And I was like, well, it was nineteen seventy one. Um, yeah, that's that's the whole thing. Is basically this dude got onto the plane hijacked this plane really without lifting a finger pretty much Mm -hmm. was able to acquire two hundred thousand dollars and dipped off this plane and they never found his body they never found remains they never found the money the most money they found was fifty eight hundred dollars because they had all the serial numbers of the bills so they did find fifty eight hundred dollars like 10 years later Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all that ever was found. Right. So essentially, and I just and I, and I don't know if you knew this, Mitch, but I had just got updated on this. The FBI has recently closed the case. Yeah, yeah. In like 2016, I think they closed it finally. Yeah. Um, so it's no longer an open investigation, and they basically said, "Until we get any new evidence, we're not going to move forward with the investigation." Mm-hmm. So essentially, theoretically, if DB Cooper were to oh and he's called db cooper just because somebody like said his name wrong or <laughs> yeah, they typed yeah. it wrong yeah like it's yeah they just totally fucked it yeah um the, yeah, the plane he ticket he to, bought was for Dan Cooper, which I think is another really funny part to mention. Like everything in the seventies, when I was you know hearing this story, I was like, man, that would never happen in today's world because uh, just airports are not like that anymore. So picture a dude walking into an airport, and he was basically just like, "Hello, my name is Dan Cooper. I would like to buy one plane ticket, please." And like no, like no ID, no no ID needed, nothing. They were just like, "All right, here you go." Dan Cooper, here's your ticket for twenty dollars. Have a safe flight. And he was like, "Okay, cool." And also, like, I've got a briefcase. Oh, do you need to check it? Oh, no, you're good. You, you just, you're cool, man. Keep walking. Just take it. <laughs> like, yeah, just keep he, walking. He smuggled a bomb onto a plane. They didn't check his briefcase or anything. 
Yeah, no, that is that actually is a really funny thought. Yeah, it, he's like, oh, I have a pre, and they're like shooing him, like, no, just fucking go, man. Get on I'm busy, the plane, dude. They're just chain smoking, like, right. So yeah, that's essentially what happened. Um, a couple other points uh, to mention um, that are basically kind of clues. Um, before he jumped, he had a clip-on tie that he took off and left in the plane. So this has been one of the only clues that they've been able to like work off of because they they've got nothing. He really clean getaway. Um, and then yeah, like you mentioned, so in 1980, nine years after the fact, um, yeah, a kid found a bag full of twenties and they found fifty-eight hundred dollars. Uh, near where they thought he jumped and but they brought in an excavator excavating crew to like search uh more thoroughly there and they didn't find anything so that bag of money is the only thing they've ever had that and the tie is pretty much the only two pieces of evidence that we've ever been able to have yeah and i they did have eight smoked cigarette butts from Dan Cooper, but they lost those. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. So, um, so there there have been suspects. There's been plenty of suspects because the whole thing about this DB Cooper character is that he's, and I think the reason. Well, first off, Mitch, how did Erica know who DB Cooper was? Like, have you? talked with her we talked about, about it before um also um the only reason i really started like getting into db cooper um is because do you remember that movie without a paddle yes yeah that's where so i'll let, i'll explain the story real quick because like i was tell i was talking to charlotte and we were just talking about what we were gonna do for podcast i was like well i think we're gonna do db cooper and actually later on i was like i honestly think i have a pretty good fucking idea as to what happened yeah and um she's like who is db cooper and i was like db cooper i i I don't know why i thought that would help but yeah (laughs) after a long series of explanations she had seen without a paddle yeah but she kind of i think she did what i did because when i originally saw without a paddle the the whole premise of that movie which it's not a great movie um, yeah for sure um they're they're going on like a childhood trip to find db cooper's money Mm-hmm. Um, but it, as a kid, when I watched it, I didn't think D.B. Cooper was real. Right. And it was only until years later I found out that this, this actually happened. And then I started, you know, like kind of absorbing what happened. And I think like when you're young, especially like D.B. Cooper sounds like this really cool, like ex-military secret agent mythos. Nobody can catch him. Yeah. He's super crazy. And, you know, and, 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 he, and he didn't hurt anybody like he didn't. It's a very Robin Hood. It's like a modern Robin Hood esque thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, Because, because I in the notes that I have for the podcast today, the first question is why is DB Cooper so interesting? Like why? Because it's (laughs) very popular. Yeah, uh, um, among people who are into this kind of shit, and I think it's like that mythos of first off, like pulling off a perfect crime. Mm-hmm. Um, which for some weird reason, like, you know, I think we're kind of obsessed with that. Like wanting yeah. to see somebody actually pull off the perfect Oh yeah, crime. no, I love like heist movies and stuff. That's one yeah. of my favorite genres of movies just because I like to see people like work smart to like take down big banks and stuff like the evil. Like, yeah, you root for them. Like, yeah, we, we have a lot more of an ability to kind of side with and root with a bad guy who isn't really doing anything bad except mm-hmm. like stealing large right. amounts of money from people who have large it, it's yeah. just robin hood yeah exactly yeah it's a good way to put it um but yeah so um but yes now over time yeah and, and he just kind of turned into this very like mythical legendary-esque figure and also the fb nobody ever caught him yeah this is completely unsolved which it's one of the biggest crimes in american history that has never been solved mm-hmm um, so I think that's really interesting. Yeah, and I think the other reason that I'm so like uh, uh, that I like the idea of DB Cooper so much is because once you start to get into like the details of what happened, um, it starts off as this story of this brilliant, smooth guy that you know sits down on a plane, chain smokes, and orders a bourbon, and wearing a suit and everything, and like this guy knows what he's doing. But then the fact that you know they never found him, they believe he possibly might have died. Because 
because we'll get into this later, he jumped out of a plane at night in the rain with like 200 mile an hour winds in the middle of a woods. It's like, oh, this guy was probably not as smooth or smart as we think he is. So that's another reason I'm enthralled by it. Well, that too, because basically, and it... If you're really interested in DB Cooper, I suggest. I mean, honestly, just get on YouTube. Get get on YouTube, watch DB Cooper videos. Yeah. It's it's been covered for all the years. But basically, what it comes down to is that there are things that just like don't add up. So that's the whole thing. The fact that this dude um, hopped off a plane—that's really where it starts. All the entry kind of starts with the fact that he jumps off this plane. He asks for two front parachutes and two front back. Sh- two back shoots mm-hmm. um which people are really intrigued by and actually the fbi brought him four parachutes total mm-hmm. or like four sets or, or something and he took the military style shoot and they actually put in a dummy shoot yeah and he took the dummy shoot right so but that's that's kind of just where it starts. They never found any of his parachutes. They never found any of the money besides what they found 10 years later. I mean, they didn't find anything. But you know what they did find? A placard off the plane. They found a little a little piece of, of a placard that they assumed just got ripped off when he jumped out the, the stairs. Oh, in I the didn't back. know about that. Huh? Yeah. So they've recovered things from the plane. Just nothing relating to D.B. Cooper. So, I mean, basically, I mean, uh, uh, it, let, let's run through at least some of the prominent theories. Uh, one of the most prominent theories is just that he died. It's just that he jumped out of that plane yeah. and was eviscerated because this was at night and there was two fighter pilots following that plane and they didn't report seeing anything. Right, right. Um, so I do also have like a list of like three of the top like possible suspects. Do you want to get into that a little bit? That, that sounds good because there's like a myriad of stuff, but basically, yeah, like I guess the reason we're talking about it and what I wanted to iterate to people is that is like he couldn't have survived the jump, mm-hmm. but they never found him. So what happened? I mean, that's just the big hole in all this is just like how can if he's going to die making the jump, which pretty much that's almost universal that he couldn't have done it. Yeah. Um. Where the hell is he then? Exactly. Yeah, and they so. they had a rough idea of where he jumped. They searched for fifty years and never found a body, a parachute, money, nothing. So, right. how? Uh, like um, how? Exactly. Yeah. So let get it. So the the number one like kind of the first suspect I wanted to talk about was in April of 1972, a guy by the name of Richard Floyd McCoy um, was arrested for hijacking a plane the exact same way that D.B. Cooper did. He, you know, he, he brought a bomb on the plane, put a note, and basically totally did everything the exact same way. Uh, but then he was caught um, and then arrested for it in 1972. Um, and he was actually... Oh, and another thing is, so he was a student at Brigham Young University, and they were on spring break. Uh, I did which, not know that. Yeah. So he was a student at BYU uh, on spring break when this happened, when he got arrested. And they were like, oh, well, you know, uh, he probably would have also had been on Thanksgiving break when the D.B. Cooper thing happened. So this is probably our guy. Um, but they, 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 well, they pretty much ruled him out for reasons unknown. Um or that I just don't know. They're probably out there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say... Um, oh, okay. I, I had a couple notes about McCoy. I do I do think I forgot to put some that I was thinking of. But the the really, truthfully, the biggest thing is that he got captured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, they equated McCoy to being a copycat. Which yeah, there was, was a string a copycat. of copycats after that. But they right. all were captured. Exactly. Yeah, that's one of the big, like, crazy things about this. Like, there are possible suspects, but most of the suspects are mostly are suspects for the sheer reason of, like, they admitted to it, like, just for the fun of it, I think. Like, they didn't actually, like, th- there was no real evidence that, that it was them, but they just, well, like, for example, my second suspect, Dwayne Weber, uh, was a guy. Did you look into him? Mm. It sounds familiar, but I don't remember, so refresh. Okay. Okay, so Dwayne Weber was a guy that, um, basically, when he was on his deathbed, <laughs> he told his wife, 
uh, I'm Dan Cooper, right before he died. He admitted to being D.B. Cooper, um, which is... Uh, but the crazy part about that is, so there are, you know, reasons that, that it would make sense that he is D.B. Cooper. Um, a couple things about him is he used to be, like, in the Air Force, and he had a knee injury, so he would, like, he limped around his whole life uh, because he said that he, you know, basically hurt his knee jumping out of a plane. That's pretty. That's pretty shocking. Um, the other thing is, the Dwayne Weber one time took his wife on a camping trip to the exact same location where they found the the money, um, which is you know could be a coincidence. Like, oh yeah, it's a pretty pretty little pond there. Yeah, I'm sure. But also, like, if there was money there, he'd probably want to find it. So, yeah, because um, a big a big theory with the money is that. The, because basically where they found the $5,800, the rubber bands holding that money was like pretty much intact, Yeah, which they actually had tested the rubber bands used on that money, and it showed that it could not, it would have degraded well before then. Yeah. So the theory is that there's some kind of human intervention with the money yeah. that was found, which means that it's possible that he lived and buried the money, and some of it just got like washed away like via you know erosion and sediment. Yeah. So my the third suspect that I think is my my favorite suspect for this, if you know, if it were one of these three people, I think it's this next guy. Um, his name is Kenneth Christensen, um, who very similar to Dwayne Weber on his deathbed. Uh, for some reason, people love you know making confessions on their deathbed. Um, I'm gonna do that he, when I die. <laughs> right. You I'm uh, D.B. Cooper. Right? I'm the Zodiac Killer. Yes. Uh, so on his deathbed, he told his wife, "There's something you should know, but I can't tell you." So he didn't officially, and then he died. What so a fucking tease! I know, right? So he didn't actually admit to anything. But the reason I like him for this is he. Uh, so oh, the the most damning piece of evidence I missed I mentioned earlier that black tie they found. Um, so. Oh, yeah. There were, yeah. So you know about that. So yeah. basically, scientists ran like DNA tests on this tie and everything just to try to find something that, you know, uh, tied back to anybody. And the only thing that they were able to find was trace elements of, let's see, it was. Oh. <laughs> I've got go. it written down. No, I don't. Somewhere. Fuck it. Anyway, they basically tra- found trace elements of Earth elements. Um, and the, uh, and the, the, that, that's a fancy way to say they found chemicals and stuff that were very rare at the time in the 70s and mm-hmm. that would have only been found on pretty much engineers that were building planes. So they think so. They think that D.B. Cooper might have been an inside job. He might have uh, worked at Boeing because how else do you get these chemicals on your tie that is only used to make jet engines. Um, so Kenneth Christensen was the head flight attendant of Northwest Airlines, the same airline that um, uh, that D.B. Cooper hijacked. Um, so he would have had the uh, ability to have those sorts of chemicals on him. So, uh, And the, the other thing is he, shortly after the D.B. Cooper incident, he bought a house, which is pretty oh. damning. Uh, yeah. And then the most damning is the stewardess, uh, the, the head stewardess or whatever, like, they showed her pictures of this Kenneth Christensen guy, and the head stewardess was basically like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's him. I can't say 100%, but I'm like 99%. And hmm. for whatever reason, they still, like, they, they didn't say that he was the guy because he didn't closely match the uh, description enough, even though the head flight attendant was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. So that part is strange to me too. Like, yeah, yeah that is strange. This whole thing's strange. Yeah, <laughs> because that's the whole thing is that there's all these eyewitness accounts, but like nobody can look at a picture of any of the. Su- that's why all these people are just suspects. Nobody could look at any of their pictures and be like, "That's Dan Cooper." Yeah, exactly. So I, I find that odd. Um, for the sake of time, Mitch, I think there's a thousand things we can talk about. What I I think that we've updated everybody. I think everybody understands why this is such a big mystery. I <laughs> yeah. think at this point we need to present what we both think happened, and kind of walk each other through what we think happened. Okay, that sounds like a plan. Um, so what what I think happened was. Well, wait. Do you want to do the paper thing? Oh yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Okay, because that's what I, I was gonna. We, I figured we, we totally did that. Because <laughs> if we think the same thing, that's gonna be crazy. 
Yeah. That's why I wanted to do this. I was like kind of hoping we would just randomly think the same thing. <laughs> okay. All right. You ready? <laughs> yep. I'm ready. All right. Show me. Oh, <laughs> I like your idea. And oh, dude died flat in a tree hard is what Mitch wrote. And then I wrote yeah. the flight crew did it. So let's let's start with you, Mitch. Dude did a tree splat. <laughs> the dude died splat in a tree hard. Um, so I just think that that is the most logical explanation uh, because he he jumped out in the wor- the most terrible of conditions, um, and he right. he he wasn't super. It, it's pretty much uh, agreed upon that he wasn't a very experienced like parachute jumper, or else he probably wouldn't have jumped at all. And he definitely would have jumped wouldn't have jumped out with a bum parachute. Um, he would have been able to be like, oh, this is fake. Fuck you guys. Uh, but no, he he jumped out not knowing that much about it, um, and you know. Just the, condi- the just based on the pure conditions of that night, like there's no way anybody could survive that. He jumped down into a forest full of trees in rain and wind, and it kind of just makes sense that you can't survive that. So, I think the most logical ex- explanation is what actually happened. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I would love to hear yours. <laughs> so my theory is that there was no DB Cooper. Is Ooh. that the flight crew? organized and did this entire heist and look i'm gonna be honest i got a list of boiling points and we're just gonna do it all right because i'm <laughs> okay, really bring it on i'm really impassioned about this so i think that what happened was here's my theory db cooper somebody went into the airport that day and bought a ticket under the name dan cooper i think that he was a member of the flight crew disguised as a normal passenger Okay, I think he went onto that plane. Okay, and then him and 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 the flight crew carried out this whole orchestrated event. So what I think happened is because nobody saw the bomb other than the stewardess. People got off that plane not knowing it was hijacked. Exactly. Yeah. So to me, the only people who knew there was a hijacking for sure was the flight crew. This guy hijacked a plane without doing anything. He left a yeah. note and said, and, and, well, there's quotes. So first off, they never recovered the note. So we don't know what that note actually said. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. We don't have the note. They said that D.B. Cooper took it. Okay, so none of the notes he wrote we have. Yeah. So it's just based off what the flight crew said, he said, yeah. in these notes. But he there's a quote saying that he'll, like, no funny business or he'll do yeah. the job. Yeah. That really standed out to me because that just sounds stupid. That doesn't That's sound like how a amateur. career criminal would talk. He wouldn't yeah. be like, it just, they made him sound like he was like, you never take me alive, see? Like, <laughs> right. And I'm just uh, like, no, that's yeah. that's not that- him. That would also make sense that they, you know, the tie thing, when they found basically jet engine chemicals on the tie, it's like, oh, yeah, because it belonged to one of the members of the flight crew, which supports your theory. Yes. And I want to talk about that tie. And here's why. There's an important detail about that tie. Yes. It's a clip on. Yes. Yeah. I I do not think that this bad motherfucker, Dan Cooper, who's going to jump out of a plane knowing full well he could die for $200,000 is going to put a clip on that day. He's going to tie his tie. <laughs> right. So I don't think that was his tie at all. Yeah. That's yeah, that, that that makes a lot of sense. So he basically has hijacked the plane at this point, okay? So they're going to refuel, okay? And they do. They stop at that airport and a stewardess walks out and then collects $200,000 and the parachutes and then gets back on the plane. And then all the passengers come out along with two stewardess. Okay. I think at that point, the person who was Dan Cooper changed into flight crew clothes and went into the cockpit because according to them, then everybody went into the cockpit after that 
and left Dan Cooper by himself because that's when he said, "Okay, we're going to take off, leave the yeah, leave the stairs yeah, yeah. open, you know." And 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 I'm not to be disturbed. That doesn't make any fucking sense, right? Why is he like, "I need some alone time"? Can you just go lock yourself <laughs> in the cockpit? Like, well, you're the one with the bomb. I don't know what you <laughs> like want me to do exactly. here. Exactly. No, that's yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So essentially, what I think is that the flight crew. At, at this point, the dude who was D.B. Cooper changed into flight crew clothes, went into that cockpit, and basically they're just flying with two fighter pilots behind them just as the flight crew. <laughs> and they have $200,000 now. And they also had the $200,000 before everybody got off the plane because here to me, Mitch, is the most, the biggest piece of evidence. There were, hold on, let me pull up my notes. So there was 36 passengers on that plane and six flight crew members. Mm-hmm. So that means 42 people was on that flight. Flight 305, okay? If you take $200,000 and divide it by 42 people, that roughly comes out to $4,800. $4,800 is awfully goddamn close to $5,800 that they found 10 years oh. later. Oh, shit. Wait, you think that they split the money between even the passengers? My personal theory, the whole flight was in on it. Wow. And I think that it was orchestrated by that flight crew, by the people who worked for this airline. And I don't think the passengers were normal passengers. I think maybe somewhere to kind of keep up with yeah. that illusion and maybe brought them on board when they're like... Hey, we're going to give you money if you keep your mouth shut. Because I did the math, dude, and like $4,800 is like $33,000 in today's standards. Yeah. That's a lot of fucking money. All right. But let me play devil's advocate here, though. How do you get 40 people to keep a secret for 50 years? Agreed. Agreed. (laughs) I'm not going to disagree. I think the more likely theory that it was just the flight crew. That does make sense to me. Yeah. But what I think that could have easily happen cuz th- these are this these are people who work for an airline. These aren't professional criminals. So when they're flying with that staircase open, I could easily see money just <laughs> flying <laughs> right. out of the plane cuz oh, rush around. Yeah, <laughs> fuck. You know, they're trying to do all this. Um but and and because basically what it comes down to is that everybody has composite sketches of DB Cooper. People agreed mm-hmm. on what he looked like. So there was somebody there who was quote unquote Dan Cooper. Yeah. But that's because I think they just pulled a switcheroo. Yeah. Because that's you're crazy. right. He wouldn't have survived the fall. They never found the money. And who would you least expect to do something like this? The flight crew. Yeah. Because yeah. they're the victims. I mean, I just, to me, it makes the most sense that DB Cooper wasn't really a person, it was just a nondescript white man that they 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 had there my the only other theory i had before that was that they pinned it on dan cooper so basically dan cooper was on that flight they thought he looked kind of secret agent-y and they Mm -hmm. were able to be like we're gonna do this we're gonna say he hijacked the plane we're gonna keep him on here and then they threw him off the plane with fifty eight hundred dollars oh god that's crazy So I have multiple theories. It all comes down to So you to, think though, there might have been a murder, too? <laughs> I think there could have been a murder. I, I, it all comes down to the flight crew lied. Yeah. I no, think, I can definitely see that. Yeah. So You got me I, thinking. Huh? You got me thinking. Yeah, I well, think you might be right. I wanted to do the paper thing because the whole thing was like Charlotte got so inquisitive. I was like, sit down and watch this video and then we'll talk about it. And I asked her, what do you think happened? And she said the same exact thing that I said. Wow. She was like, the flight crew had something to do with it. And we started talking about that. And I was like, if you, me, and Mitch all agreed it was the flight crew, <laughs> then there was something bigger afoot. Because if the FBI hasn't looked into the flight crew, then why not? Because, But I can't find this theory anywhere. I, I was looking up D.B. Cooper theories and looking them up and looking them up. And nobody was like, oh, it was the flight crew. Yeah, that that part is crazy. Because like, there was one living member of the flight crew, and it was the second stewardess that sat with him and was mm-hmm. kind of like telecommunicating between the cockpit and the ground yeah. and DB Cooper. Um, so she actually went to get go get interviewed, and they basically said like, you know, hey, we want to talk about that flight and we want to talk about it happened. And she opened the door and was just like, you need to leave and shut the door in their face. Ooh. <laughs> Which once again goes back to my theory, and she was the only, she was the last living member of the flight crew. That is pretty damning. 
So, I think it was a flight crew. I don't think D.B. Cooper actually existed. I think that he was a patsy or just a figment. Just a character made to everybody to think that he was this super cool, I'm going to get a bourbon and soda and smoke a cigarette while I pull off this 200,000 dice. Never existed. It was just a flight crew. Because nobody saw the bomb. Nobody talked to D.B. Cooper except for the flight crew. The flight and the flight crew who said, oh, this must have been where he jumped. They were wrong. They changed that. 10 years later and said no weren't like this is the only place he could have jumped i think the i think it was the flight crew 100 oh my god that's brilliant i think you're right dude i that's why i texted you because i'm like mitch i it had to be it does it doesn't make any sense because even if he would have hit a tree they would have found him they would have found the money they would have found the shoe they would have found something a shoe they yeah. didn't find anything, and you're right. They looked right. for 50 years. <laughs> I'm convinced. I'm I'm convinced, personally. I think you have me convinced. Well done. <laughs> I would I would really like to see someone smarter than me propose this theory, but I I can't find it. It's like, and then you should that's call just, the FBI. Just call in a tip. <laughs> I kind of want to. And just hey, be bro. Like, <laughs> I figured this out. Why couldn't you? <laughs> But I think that's my thing. It's just like, okay, so either the FBI dismissed it as not being true, or the FBI knows something that we don't, which I think is totally fair because they're the FBI. So maybe this was like a weird sting operation where they were hoping they weren't able to get the evidence, so they were just hoping one of the flight crew would rat on each other so then they can do that investigation. But there's no way there was some mysterious figure who actually jumped off that plane in 1971. And the the other crazy part, too, is like the FBI had a list of a lot of suspects, like the three that I mentioned, and they pretty much just gave up on that lead for seemingly no reason. Like, Well, it seems like they didn't really want to solve it that badly. Yeah. (laughs) Do you think they were in on it, too? It's possible they gave him the $200,000, didn't they? Fuck yeah, shit. I don't know. They gave him a dummy <laughs> shoot. Maybe they wanted him to die. This goes all the way to the top. <laughs> Dude, I'm <laughs> really invested in this. I got. Uh, I, there's a black SUV outside my window right now. <laughs> uh, I, I, should, I, I need to go. <laughs> burn it, burn it. <laughs> we got to do a burn. <laughs> All right. Well, if anybody wants to go check out DB Cooper on their own, please do. Please. I mean, I'm I'm curious to hear what other people think. Um, yeah. I personally think that I figured it out. <laughs> right. But um, yeah. Let us know. We had to talk about. I, I'm I'm. I also just love that Mitch like came to me and was like, "Hey, I want to do a DB Cooper episode," and I was like, "That's fucking awesome." Yes, yeah. please. <laughs> I, I love it. I love the story. I love him as a dude. He's my hero. He's my hero. Uh, you mean the flight crew? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, well, yeah, cool. That was a blast. Um, do you want to do a uh, what you cranking? Yep, let's do what you cranking and uh, wrap this up. I'm gonna let you go first because I'm not really sure what I'm gonna say. Okay, I will go first and. Continuing our theme with the conspiracy theories, uh, I've been listening to a podcast that I want to uh, talk about. Um, it's a it's a podcast called Wind of Change, um, and I highly suggest checking it out. It's really interesting. Um, people talking about conspiracy theories, kind of like this, but people that are much smarter than Eli and I. Uh, so it'll be uh, it'll be a hoot. Uh, but basically, what it is is um, so Winds of Change is a podcast about the band the Scorpions from the uh, like 80s and early 90s they have a song called wind of change um and the the podcast like talks about the theory that there's a possibility that the song wind of change by the scorpions was actually written by the cia uh to encourage the falling of the berlin wall um and it's kind of a crazy theory but then they back it up mm-hmm. with all sorts of like oh yeah it's kind of like general knowledge that ever since the cold war like in the 50s the you know cia fbi american uh, agencies have been kind of like doing this secretive uh uh, sort of propaganda movement um, and trying to disguise it as American pop culture. Like they'll invest in, you know, the arts movement. Um, and there's there's been some like songs that they think have been written by the CIA to try to encourage people to behave a, c- a certain way. Um, and it's called the, uh, uh, 
um, yeah, it's basically what they what they call a psychology yeah psychological warfare. And I'm only a couple episodes deep, so I'm not. You know, that's all about all I have on it so far, but check it out. It is super interesting and a really cool idea that the CIA, CIA might be involved in pop culture. No, that's, I, dude, I eat that shit up so hard because <laughs> it's so good. There was actually a video game invented, and this is all declassified. Like, this happened, and it was mm-hmm. supposed to apparently brainwash people, and they released it only in one small town, hoping to see if they could brainwash an entire town. Oh, wow. Yeah. I have not um, heard about that. No, I'm doing a lot of paraphrasing there, so I'm sure that's a little yeah. bit hyperbolic, <laughs> but that's basically what was happening. Um, I'm going to talk about, in, in, instead of doing something typical, because you brought that up, I'm going to talk about a show that I've been watching. Okay. Uh, called McMillions. And it is about... Oh, yeah. Have you I seen haven't it? seen the show. No, I haven't seen the show, but I listened to a podcast where they talked about it, and it's such a cool story. Dude, yeah. So just to surmise really quickly, it's about the Monopoly McDonald's game, and um, essentially um, it was rigged. The mob is mm-hmm. involved, and yep. it's the fucking craziest story I've ever heard in my life, and it is way better than Tiger King. Can I just throw that out there? Way fucking better <laughs> because it's so much more interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, well, I only say that just because, like, whereas, like, Tiger King is all of these insane people that obviously they're kooky as fuck. McMillions yeah. is, like, just, just, oh, man, it just, it's, and it's just such a good story because it starts out so small and you don't, it's like, what the fuck? And then it's like, the yeah. mob, what? And then it, it just keeps building on itself. But, man, I, I, I love that show. Yeah, I'll have to watch that because I, I was really in, interested in the uh, the podcast. It's so f- such a crazy story. It, it, I think if you can, I, what's really good about the show is that they'll build and build and build, and it will kind of drag a little bit because you're kind of like, I don't know how this is relevant. But then at the very last minute before the next episode, they'll be like, boom, and then it will surmise the entire episode in a moment. Mm-hmm. And it's I'm like that's just good storytelling. So yeah, for sure. But it is very interesting. So yeah, I've been watching McMillions in light of the DB Cooper conspiracy theory element. Yes, <laughs> yeah, there, there's some stuff for you to dive in deep on. Seriously, yeah, this episode was all about just putting on your tinfoil hats, baby, because we're gonna <laughs> dive in deep. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, guys. Well, we're glad to be back. Didn't got a got a good episode in. Uh, we will catch you next time. I don't know. You might hear some solo episodes from me. I'm not sure, but we'll see. I'm sure sounds they'll like all a plan. be bad. Yeah. <laughs> sounds about right. Sounds about right. Uh, Bye. Thanks, guys. See ya. <laughs>